steady. It's steady thumping while you breathing heavy. That power muscle keeps that blood flowing. He keeps it going so we'll get to know him. The son of the father, so many never get to know him. Like Cain, but with the choice to serve ourselves, who else can we blame? The two greatest laws are love for God and love for man. But by choosing self over both, we defy his commands. He's loving, he's patient, not willing we should suffer. Repentance, confession, in the name of our big brother. Protection, salvation is all the Father offers. Confusion and damnation is what's reserved for the scoffers. He wants a relationship with you. Just let him near, listen closely to this track, you hear him in your ear. The first beat you feel is an echo coming from his throne. The second one is the proof you're not living life alone. Just take that breath so that you can receive. His rock is dripping, so just believe. That love of y'all will put you in the zone. So get that fire shut up in your bones. Got all the results of sins, even till today. That's why he made the plan of salvation to make a way. Emptied all of heaven and one eternal sacrifice. Just so that he could spend time with us in paradise. He struggled and he strived to get human attention. Even repented himself of his wayward invention. Washed the world of iniquity because of satanic heights. Sent prophets, warnings, and miracles, and even sent us Christ. His heart stays pumping grace and mercy to the hearts of the souls that are caught up. Up in this controversy, heeding doctrines of devils and wondering after beasts. Trying to get them a glimpse of light before they are deceased. We don't know how much we mean to him, we don't recognize how soon he's coming back to get us when he's parts disguised. Talk 101 here on a Sunday afternoon from 6 to 8 p.m. My name is Brad Tremell. I'm in the house. My partner Orlando Boyd held it down last weekend. I'm holding it down this weekend. I ain't gonna get into the reasons of why I wasn't, why I, I faked out honestly last week, but uh, you know what I'm saying? We all got ups and downs. Last week I had a serious down, but I'm back in the studio today. The most high is good, man. Um, you know how we usually do. Talk about testimonies, prayer requests. My prayers that the most high use me tonight. You know what I'm saying? I know a lot of people ain't feeling too good, maybe sick. I know we always have, you know, people who are sick and shut in, those who are going health problems. Man, shoot, just the two nights ago, both my parents had health issues in the middle of the night. My father had to go to the emergency room and my mother had a had an incident where she was she was feeling ill. I'll just say that. And um they ain't tell me about it, man. <laughs> 
found out from my brother. They told me, and I mean, he told me, and I had to call them and, you know, chew them out for a minute. Because unless something happened to me and I don't tell them, you know, it's a problem. So um, I'm just thankful, you know what I'm saying, they're doing better. I've been talking to my parents, and I'm equally talking to everybody out there as well, man. Uh, if you're not seeking natural herbal remedies for your ailments and for your sicknesses, you know what I'm saying, you choosing narcotics and drugs that maybe are over-the-counter or get prescribed to you over stuff that is natural, you're doing it wrong. Uh, it has been well documented, the, um, the pharmaceutical companies and how they benefit so much. And whether there are companies that are honest and those that are corrupt, the point is that illegal practice has been done or unlawful practice, immoral practice has been done to keep people coming back where we got these little placebos that don't really solve nothing or fix nothing. But, you know, what I'm saying they keep you coming back so that you can continue to pay money. And it really, you know, hits the elderly more because they are more likely to be taking medication. And that medication is always sky high when it comes to the price. So don't only seek truth, but seek out herbal remedies. <laughs> Natural remedies. Um, Dr. Sebi and his teachers, man, have been looking at that stuff. Black seed oil, good stuff. Uh, apple cider vinegar, good stuff. You know what I'm saying? Turmeric, mixed with your water, good stuff. Any types of berries you can get, good stuff. Get that up in your system, man, not to mention that good old vitamin C. You know what I'm saying? Um, but anyway, enough of that. Um, testimony, man. Yesterday was a powerful day, man. I'm going to go into a little bit about uh, what I read. When we get into this lesson, that's why I got the books open, man, because the Most High revealed a lot to me yesterday in one story, story of Abraham. We're going to get into that. But uh, I had a pleasant time, man. My my dude, Myron, man, I know Myron since, man, I was like, Myron Edmonds, by the way. He, I known this brother since I was like, man, eight or nine years old. His older sister used to used to watch me and my brother when my parents, you know, wasn't around. You know what I'm saying? I've been... He know me since, like, DuPont days, like, little, you know what I'm saying? So I kind of look at him like a big brother, man. He's always been on fire for the most high. You know, he's he ain't never been the one to be fake because of the lifestyle he came up in. His parents were very, you know, generous, and they had, like, the same type of work that my father had. My father does social work. He's been doing it all my, all, all my life. I've known him. He's been doing social work. So his work was the service to the community. And, uh, you know, Myron's parents were on that same type of tip as far as opening their home to the poor, the sick, and shut in, those who were recovering from alcoholism, from drug use. You know what I'm saying? They opened their home to him. And so Myron was exposed to a lot of things, man. But I had a good chance to talk with that brother over the weekend. The subject matter that he came to, uh, to expound upon at RPC was um, about resetting the man, you know, talking about how, you know, culturally, uh, we've, the, especially the African-American man, has been um, cultured and, and trained to withhold, to suppress, to not show weakness, not be vulnerable. And how much that is killing our young men early, killing, our, killing us early, period, you know, because of stress and stuff like that. He was going into a couple things, you know what I'm saying? He brought up a couple things as far as, like, Solomon's story. And, you know, he brought up the interesting, something that I definitely needed to hear, which was, you know what I'm saying, it, was, <laughs> it goes right along with the reason why I was absent last week, you know. Sometimes when you do this work for the most high, you begin to question yourself. And I, and I know his grace is sufficient. Like, I know that. That's in here. That's a scripture. But it does not mean that I'm still attacked day and night by the enemy who knows I'm doing this type of work. I mean, he truly wouldn't be an enemy if he wasn't on me, you know, all the time. He'd be on O. He'd be on the rest of my brothers and sisters. He'd be on the prayer, the, the Bible study group that we got going on right now. Uh, you know, he'd he just be attacking everywhere because that's all he can do is, you know, attack and annoy. But he can never overcome because the battle is already won, thanks to your hour shot, man. Um, 
But yeah, so the message that he brought, he's talking about uh, Solomon. He came out of Second Kings and he was talking about the fact that, you know, Solomon, the first thing he did, one of the first things he did when he was made monarch over Israel was to make a, an alliance with Egypt by marrying the Pharaoh's daughter. And if you think about that one action right there, it defies so many laws and, and so many, I ain't gonna say laws and statutes, but it defies the will of the Most High. Because the ancestors of Solomon were, went on the great exodus and they left Egypt because they were in bondage in Egypt. So now you making alliances with Egypt by marrying Pharaoh's daughter, and I get it. She's probably bad as a mug. She's an Egyptian princess. I mean, the thought of that, those two words put together, puts like, you know, a fine you know, brown skinned sister. Daughter of Ishmael, probably, you know, in my, yeah. But anyway, he probably did that on that type of time, in addition to getting Egypt's alliance. And we know Solomon loved the women, but specifically after he made that move, then the Most High appeared to him at night to ask him what he wanted. And we know the story. He asked for wisdom and an understanding heart. And uh, me and O was rapping earlier this week to actually really scrutinize whether or not he was the wisest man of all time. It's an interesting conversation, I'm sure. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later as well. But, um, but yeah, and his point by bringing out that story was the fact that, uh, you know, um, Yah can use us and he will bless us according to his will and his own grace and his mercy. Independent on how we are. He has the right to remove breath from our bodies at any moment he chooses, and he'd be justified because of how often we sin, because of the very fact that our righteousness is filthy rags, you know what I'm saying? And because that is the case, the fact that we are still allowed to do certain things, especially those who are in their purpose and walking in his will and doing what they're supposed to do, according to us saying, yeah, you know, it's really, it's really mind-blowing how much he loves us. It really is. And that's that's what I had to reacquaint myself. I had to be reminded of that. And there's nothing wrong with being reminded of that from time to time. I mean, shoot, the Bible says in the fourth commandment, remember, it's important that we remember because the most high knows we're going to forget. That was the main problem with the Israelites. They forgot. Solomon forgot. He went and, uh, and had a, got an Egyptian alliance. I'm sure he forgot about the stories of the bondage and the great exodus and the plagues that fell upon Egypt. If he had considered that, maybe he would have chosen a different alliance. I don't know. I mean, Israel wasn't supposed to have no king, but I ain't going to get on that. Anyway, man, I had a powerful conversation with that brother. Um, also got encouraged by my man Darian Claxton um, and a couple other good brothers. King Baxter was rapping to them after uh, listening to Myron, man. And um, we are motivated to go deeper in an accountability group uh, amongst ourselves as far as like the things we struggle with. Because accountability is a strong tool against addiction. When other brothers can can uh, be accountable. Like Myron brought the, um, he brought the example, the fact he's in a, he's in a chat or a group with other pastors and they check on one another when they go out of town, especially when they're alone. Cause they know brothers who are alone could get into some trouble. And I mean, that's understandable. So that type of accountability, you know, I got that joint with my partners here, you know, but we can always go deeper. We can always, uh, extend that a little bit more. It's just about reluctance. Cause we want to do what we want to do sometimes. That's just the real, it's real talk. But um, had a pleasant day, man. Great day. Uh, I was moving so much in uh, the spirit, especially after the morning that I had, man. That you know, I didn't eat yesterday from like the morning all the way up to like, like three, four o'clock, and I wasn't hungry. I was just drinking water and just having conversations and moving and just you know. I asked for the ruach to be with me in the morning. He was truly with me, man. Because anytime my hunger gets suppressed like that, and it's like a it's like a unplanned fast. 
and I'm doing the most high's work. And I'm having conversations to try to get the most high's name and his character out there, man. So that's what happened yesterday. Um, pleasant day. But in the morning, in the morning, in the morning, and that's what I'm going to rap to y'all about. I don't know how long I'm going to take. O can take four hours if he wants, because that's, that's my man. He, when he gets going, he gets, I know he's watching, I know he's listening. When he gets going, he can go. I'm only going to give you what the most I give me, then I'm going to shut up. That's, that's how I be. That's, you can ask anybody. I don't ever say something unless he give me something to say, especially when it has to do with him and his will. So we're going to dig in. Uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Most High Shem, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for assembling uh, this opportunity for myself and oh, for so long. Towards the end of this year, we'll be ceasing here and moving to another spot. Um, thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for the many blessings and mercies that you showed upon me and my family this weekend, including my mother getting honored this uh, this morning for being teacher of the year, especially in arts. That's that's what it was when I found out when I got. So I thank you for that. Thank you for honoring her. Thank you for keeping our families in good health. And uh, I just pray right now for your holy Ruach to possess me and use me as I go over this material. Let it be your voice that people hear, not mine. May I decrease so that you increase always. Um, thank you for hearing and answering our, my prayers. Um, I ask that you would be with my brothers and sisters and bless them and forgive them according to your knowledge of them. That should cover everything. Um, I ask that you continue to be with this studio, be with Reg and uh, Stan as he runs the boards. You know, he's doing a toy drive, you know. Um, and thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for, for giving them the heart to serve and to help people who are a little bit less fortunate. Because that's one of the things that you commanded and you asked for us to do in your words, to look after the poor, the widows, the orphans. You know what I'm saying? Take care of them because life is certainly rough for all of us, but not as rough as it is for others. So um, thank you for that. Um, continue to bless the studio, all the hosts that come in and out of here. Um, continue to be with them and their families and bless them and keep them. And thank you for, again, for... For, for telling me what my purpose is and let me walk in it. Um, let's get to work. Your son, you should name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> let me walk through something real quick, man. Um, this year has been a very engaging and enlightening year. And at the beginning of the year, I had a mindset that was having trouble letting go of things that I believed all my life. Very difficult. It's always difficult. That's not an easy task for somebody to do. But gradually, surely, and slowly in consistency, the Most High just kept putting out information, putting out information. It was information I wasn't necessarily, especially in the beginning, I wasn't looking for it. He was bringing it to me. He was putting it in my face. It's like somebody putting a, a well-done steak right in front of me, and I'm starving, and I'm acting like I don't see it. He just kept putting the information in front of me, so I had to eat. And when I started eating, I started getting filled. And the stuff I started getting filled, filled with was convicting. It's like that good feeling when you know you're satisfied. I was getting conviction because holes were being filled. Links were being put back together. Things that were broken. Questions that I had in my mind were being answered. Like, you know, we've talked about many times on this show, finding out what the name of the Lord was. Or what happened and why the words, the Lord and God were actually putting the word and who took out the name of the Most High without his permission um, in order to maintain consistency and reduce confusion was the, I guess, the, uh, the reason for doing that. Well, it was stated, but in reality, what it has done is cause a massive disconnect between people and, um, 
and the most high eye that they claim to know. Now, yes, there is relationship, but how well do you know somebody if you don't know their name? That's my question. And um, you think about it now. I mean, you could look at me attend and watch this show every Sunday from 6 to 8 and be like, that's that dude. What's his name? I don't know. It's that dude. They don't even know my name. <laughs> and I guess the biggest thing that always struck out in my mind is that we always separated the true Elohim, God, with a capital G in front of his name versus a lowercase g, when in actuality there is no other God. So the fact that the name God should only be used for the true and living God, and there should be nothing else that's considered a God because it's not. Because of that, we've gotten comfortable just to relate to him and talk to him in a way that only we've learned. You know, He said because of the curses that we've gone over in Deuteronomy, they send a strong delusion, a pressure for 400 years. Uh, replace, get, he's, he would be sending us laws and statutes that we should not keep because of the abominations of the fathers and the transgressions, which is really all the time that's what happened. During the whole consistent trek of Israel, the fathers would mess up, and then children would be facing the repercussions of bad decisions and idolatry and teetering back and forth and not sticking with the Most High, then sticking with the Most High. But um, I'm saying all that to say it was a process that I had to get through, but what helped me was this. I have a genuine interest in the stories that are in this book. This is the 66. This is the new KJV um, that I have before me, and I brought it for a reason. I don't have a Jerusalem with me today, but um, I'm intrigued. I was intrigued and, and helped by the stories of David, um, Samson, about uh, Job. Who hasn't been affected by Job? Like real life, that brother went through too much. Can't nobody say that they went through more than Job did. Um, and I think about these stories that have impacted my life, and especially when you read them with different lenses. When you're really trying to pull something out of it, first, you know, drinking milk versus chewing on bones, as me and O like to say. Um, when I started chewing on bones and reading these stories, I mean, the impact was just so powerful. It's like, man, we really ain't got no excuse. We really ain't got no excuse. The Most High has shown us again and again, time after time, that he is for us and not against us. That he is not a tyrant. That he is not some God that we have to appease and we have to exhibit meritorious behavior in order to get his blessings and his mercy. That's not the case. But in church, in the structure, in the organization, in the hierarchy of church, which we all know we're started, it is implied that we have to be good in order to be blessed. And that's reinforced in so many other areas of our life. You got to do good in school or else you're going to get an F. You got to merit this and merit that in order to get awarded, to get trophies, whatever. Got to do a whole bunch of stuff and then you get recognized. And we take that same ideology and we take it to the father. It's like, well, I, I cussed too much today. I guess I can't talk to the father today because he's disappointed in me. One of the dumb, one of the most strongest, I ain't gonna say dumbest, it's one of the strongest misconceptions that we all have. And if it's not specifically that, you know, just apply what your vice is, apply what you struggle with. And then there it goes. Um, but what helped me through that was the fact that I had interest in these stories. And so the first thought that went through my mind when I started looking up the apocryphal books or the books that a group of men decided did not need to be in the canonized 66, the first thing that, came, that was in my mind when I was looking through those books was, I want to find out if there are any other stories powerful like what I read in here. Like, man, there's stories about Elijah, my man, my favorite prophet, calling down fire from heaven, you know what I'm saying, making a name for the Most High in the midst of sweltering idolatry, you know, Baal worship everywhere. You know, calling out fire from Melody, when the last day, ain't nobody even seen that. You know what I'm saying? The plagues of Egypt, nobody's seen that. 
Nobody's seen no play, no 10 consecutive plays like that. Nobody's seen nothing like that. Wait a little bit longer. <laughs> um, but, you know, stories like that, man, and I started reading. I think the first book I read was actually Tobit because it was like the first. No, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. I read Judith, for, Judith first. And Judith is a story I believe every woman needs to read, especially my sisters. Y'all need to. Whew, I be testifying on that all the time. Judith is a very powerful book of the bravery of a woman when uh, spiritual leaders were weak, because that's essentially what she was going up against. But I ain't going to get into that story right now. But when I found those stories, I started reading other apocryphal books that my interest level grew because I was reading things about the angel Raphael came down and visited this person. I'm like, man, angels coming to visit just like angels came to visit Mary and Joseph and, and other people of the Bible. So it's consistent with that. And then I'm reading other scriptures that, that line up with the timeline of where things took place. And then I find the Maccabees and the Maccabees fills the whole portion between the old and the new Testament. that seems to have been gotten lost because we do know that the empires of the earth were Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then Rome. But the way the Bible is written, it goes from Babylon, Persia to Rome. Skips out all the grease. <clears throat> Makes you ask the question, if you know to ask the question, what happened to it? People say, oh, those books and writings got lost, this, that, and the third, whatever ignorant response people want to give. Or they might say, you know, that stuff isn't important. What we need, all we need is this right here. You know what that says to me when people say stupid stuff like that? This is all we need right here? That's like saying you can encapsulate and put a, a, a 66-book boundary Around the most high. Now, let me challenge your thinking on that. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But if you if you with me, I'm going to believe I'm going to be there. And let me clear up this little misconception right now as well. Your name is already written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It got written there and etched there when the Savior died on the cross. If you keep ignoring the Father all the years of your life, you don't listen to nothing he says, then your name gets blotted out. But your name is in there. My name is in there and it's staying in there. Yeah. So when I think about the father and what we're supposed to do through eternity, through the ceaseless ages of eternity, a thousand years, we're going to be in our perfect selves. Our bodies are, are, are going to be matched up with our souls. So our souls are being perfected right now, but we're going to cast off this flesh because the flesh wants what it wants. It wants the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, anything that the flesh can get, it's going to go after. And it's going to yearn after very strongly. So that's what we battle with on a daily basis. But when we get up there, we're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And when that happens... We're going to be up there, of course, giving the Father the due worship that he is deserving of because it's going to be unbelievable when we get up there. But not only that, we're going to learn about his ways, man. We're going to learn how he thinks, how he creates. We're going to learn about him. And he is infinite. <laughs> the minute you think you have learned everything there is to know about him, there are eons more, like, like many miles high, whatever the length that's ridiculous, a trillion bajillion. Man, we used to say that when they was kids, man, bajillion. A bajillion whatever more. That's what you got to go to learn about the Most High because he is that deep. And so I had to come to a realization, a common sense realization. I'm 39, about to be 40. I've only been alive, meaning 39 years. The world is older than 39 years. So I'm like, there's clearly stuff around this joint that I don't know about. So if this is the book, that everybody says, this is everything I need. Was well, there anything else in addition to this book? Or is it just this book? Oh, there are other books. What happened to them? Well, I want to find them and read them. Why were they removed? 
the first question that popped up into my mind when thinking about this, but it was always a hidden question in the back of my mind, man. I held on to it, but it just seemed odd to me. I'm like, I'd be in this world seeing all these sixes, sixes, the number of a man, triple six, the devil's number, this, that, and the third. And there's 66 books in this Bible that's supposed to be all about my father. <laughs> and I'm like, why would he choose? I was like, why would he? But then my mindset was like, all right, you know, I guess that's what he want to do. But there are more. Should have been way more. Um, so when I find that type of stuff out and I start getting these questions answered and I start finding out the answers are based on the decisions of men, sinful men like me. And then not only that, men who were in a religion that tried to usurp the power and the statutes and the laws of the most high. Because that's where it originated from. And that's a fact. Can't be argued against. People can say like we usually do. You know what I'm saying? Um, there are a lot of lies around today that have been dressed up in frilly clothes. You know what I'm saying? Have you, have you ever seen an ugly baby, but they was in a little cute outfit? <laughs> I shouldn't say stuff like that. But, <laughs> but when you see that, you still be like, oh, the baby's so cute because of the outfit. But the baby, you know what I'm saying, is less than comely. Um, but a lot of that has been done now, you know, so that we feel comfortable with a lot of things. I could lean into the Christmas season. We like knee deep in this joint. But you look up at the origin of Christmas. People all people quick to, you know, deny Halloween because it's obvious demons and, and vampires and ghouls and goblins and Frankensteins and all this other nonsense is out there to kill you and do other stuff. We dress up like and that's, you know, celebrating. It. You look at the origin of that. It's clearly pagan. But, you know, we get candy. That's all you need to make stuff good is a little bit of candy. Devil got tons of that. Anyway, man. So when I started finding about these decisions that were being made by men, I, you know, I ran it past the most high, which I had to continue to do because he was the one leading me down this road. I ain't had no knowledge. And not only that, my biggest resource who I used to ask anything about referring to the Bible is asleep right now. My granddad. I used to always either call him or go to his house. That was a resource that I exhausted, especially when I had questions about the word. And it was for a time as this for me to start knowing more because back then I didn't have a mind towards the word because he was around. So I'm like, I can just ask him. You know, I wasn't really, really wasn't reading like that. I started, but I ain't, I ain't nowhere. I ain't where I am now. <laughs> I'm a bajillion steps from, you know, from where I was. All praise to the most high. Um, but when that happened, man, um, you know, I would talk to him about, you know, the different stories. But, you know, when he went to sleep, I didn't have a resource like that no more. So it forced me to look for myself. And instead of running questions past my granddad, I had to run it to my dad, my real father, the one who sits on a gigantic throne in the courts of the kingdom. man. And when I started doing that, slowly but surely, he gave his confirmations. He didn't do it exactly when I wanted him to because he wanted he wanted to see my wheels turn. He wanted to know how far I was willing to go. And my bottom line was, man, whatever I know, whatever I learn, I want to learn it so that I can I can continue to spread the good word and cause people to have a relationship with the most high. Because see, the gospel is twofold. You find out that your sins have been forgiven through a sacrifice. But then now that's not the end of it. That sacrifice allows you to have a relationship with a supernatural being who has always wanted a relationship with you, whether you can or cannot see it in your life. Nobody knows the moves or the plans of the most high. I don't. Sometimes he confuses, not sometimes, he confuses me on the regular, but I trust him because he has never made a mistake and he has never led me wrong. All we got to do is trust him. 
all we got to do. So that's what I did, man. I took his hand, took my father's hand, and he walked me down this long, windy road of, of books of this and books of that and, and originations of certain names, <laughs> certain holidays, church structures, hierarchies. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the, one of the biggest questions I have, and still to this day, man, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I ain't going to get on that, man. Let's, let's, let's get into this lesson, man. So anyway, let's, let's, let's talk about this. So the father of the faithful, we know him as Abraham. In elementary school, we used to sing this song called Father Abraham. I would sing it not knowing who Abraham was. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, but so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, and we would do this little energetic step to the jump. You know what I'm saying? If you came up in Adventist elementary school, you probably heard the jump too. You know what I'm saying? It's, it was a fun song, especially for kids. And the song was called Father Abraham, but I didn't know much about him. Um came to, you know, through studies, find out about him in uh, <clears throat> the book of Genesis, father of the faithful, you know, called to go out to a land where he didn't know where he was going, just trusted, trusted. One of the famous things I can recall about Abraham is the fact that, you know, he believed God and they accounted it to him for righteousness. He accounted it to him for righteousness. He lied a couple times when he went to the Egyptians and other places about Sarah being his wife. I mean, about being his sister. And in truth be told, it was his stepsister. So he was telling a half lie, but it was also his wife. A lot of people don't know that. He's saying, you know, Abraham lied. Said Sarah was his sister. It was his half sister. That was his stepsister. He's different mother, same father. Um, so, you know, I'm reading about the stories of Abraham, and then I, if I call this right, you know, we had he had Isaac. You know, his biggest thing. I'm trying to get to this point. He had Isaac. Isaac was promised to him in his old age, way old age. I think Sarah was like 90 when she had that joke, and Abraham was 100. If I'm not mistaken, we're gonna read about it. So if I'm wrong. You know what I'm saying? Text me and I correct myself. I know I got my Bible searches out there. Um, but yeah, man, when he had Isaac, he had Ishmael first because of his wife had lost a little bit of faith. She knew that she was supposed to have a child of her age, but I can imagine, you know what I'm saying? Going through many pause, you're 90 years old. The womb is what the womb is, you know? And I'm sure she was like, you know, this is impossible. Even God can't do this. So she, in a moment of weakness, she told Abraham, her husband, to mess around with her Egyptian slave girl, <laughs> to which he willfully said, I shall. And he messed around and Ishmael came out. Then there was term turmoil in the camp. Sarah was got jealous. Got jealous of the fact that her decision wrought the affection and love to another woman and a son that wasn't hers. It's amazing she couldn't see that coming. And she tried to blame Abraham for it. Me, I was writing about that this morning. She tried to lean on him and say, how come you listened to me and brought this hell up on my head and all this stuff? And Abraham was like, you the one told me, told me it was cool. That's why, fellas, we always got to use our minds when it comes to that, man. Run everything past the most high. Yes, the women are a help me. They can get good advice. Their minds work differently than ours. They process information differently than we do. <clears throat> but whatever comes out, run it past the most high because he's going to ultimately give the yay and nay and then make a decision. But after you run it past him, this is the safest thing you can do, man. I remember I was talking to my man Sully Sullivan uh, Phillips. Shout out to him about a couple years ago. He was like, man, I pray over everything. My wife gets sick of it sometimes. He just said it just like that. He's like, you know, she's not really sick of it, but she knows that when she brings me anything, I tell her, I was like, look, it's the only way I can make sure I ain't making the wrong move. And he got a family. He got kids. And I respected that because he's like, it's the only way I can make sure I'm not making the wrong move is by running everything past the most high. And that's what he says he does. So we should do likewise, man, in everything. 
get to know him, run decisions past him. If it's your father, man, you shouldn't have no problem kicking with him and running stuff past him. He knows what's just going on in your mind and heart anyhow. So you might as well talk to him about it. Um, so we cleared that out. Where we at? Uh, Ishmael, Hagar gets sent away. Ishmael, of course, becomes a great nation. But I found out, you know, reading this book that I'm going to read today, that Ishmael came back and forth. He wasn't gone permanently. Like we sometimes get the picture in this book. But I wanted to come to a specific story in the Bible regarding Abraham. And I believe it's the one he's most famous for, which is the sacrificing of his son Isaac. This is the child of promise. This is the one he said, the most high came to him several times. I'm going to make a great nation out of you as the stars of the skies, the sands of the sea. If anybody can number them, then they'll be able to number your seed pretty much. You're going to be deep. You're going to roll through the earth. And through your seed, every nation of the earth shall be blessed. That's why we got, you know, black people everywhere, man. Um, mixing with other nations. and I mean, anything you, you, you mix around with, you know, the good old Hebrew, man, something, something beautiful pops out, man. It's always, it seems like it's always like that, at least what I've seen. So, I mean, the prophecy was true. We see the results as such. But then shortly after that, Most High said he was going to test them. Now, I'm going to read the account. In Genesis chapter 22. So if you're with me, you got your word open, your regular word. Go to Genesis chapter 22 because that's where we're going to start. And we're just going to walk through this real quick to show that there is information in these lost books that can help fill in holes. And I also want to make this disclaimer before we jump in it. I want you to read and hear this information as if it were true. Open up your mind. Do not put up the barriers like, oh, this brother talking about some devilish witchcraft. Have I used the devil's name yet? Have I, have I done anything like that? I'm coming out of a word. Y'all know why we're here. We a million shows deep. We ain't on that type of time. So just take the, take the second to, to tear down your wall, pull down your curtain, and expose your mind to something different. And do like I said in the front part of this show. Run it past the Most High. Say, is he lying to me? Just offer up the prayer. Simple prayer, I pray is most high. If this ain't for me, if this is nonsense or if it's a lie, remove it from my mind. Or tell me I need to close the book, anything. Because I ain't trying to fill my head up with that which, which cannot help me, especially in these last days. So I advise you to do the same. And as I read, let your heart decide, man. Let the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, move on your heart. Make a decision. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to run through this, and then we're going to get up out of here. So Genesis chapter 22. Abraham's faith confirmed. Again, we're going into the sacrifice of Isaac and the whole process. We're going to read what it says in the regular KJV, and then we're going to read what had, what's going on in the book of Jasher. So if you have the book of Jasher, you can put it up on your phone ahead of time. Or if you actually got this book, I know a couple of people do, the Ultimate Apocrypha, go ahead and turn over to chapter 23 in the book of Jasher, which is on page 199 of my book. I know a couple of people got the same book, 199. What does the word say? In the King James chapter 22, verse one. Now it came to pass after these things that God, I'm going to read it just like it say. Then God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. A couple things I want you to take note of. Mosiah knew that Abraham loved him. He told him where to go. In verse three, it says that Abraham rode up early and took two of his young men. Remember that. Matter of fact, underline it, because 
I'm going to tell you who those young men were since we don't get it in here. Um, and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Note that verse. That's verse four. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes, lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Matter of fact, underline that in your regular word. Remember these verses, verse three and four, underline them. And Abraham said to his young men, his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. Go ahead and highlight and under, underline verse six, because just underline it. <laughs> I'll be getting excited, but I want to jump there already. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire, the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. So this is the way this is plotting out is that they were still on their trek towards the top of the mountain because they continued on after this question was asked. So once you see this unfolded, then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. Underline this verse or highlight it. 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of Yahweh, I got to change it, I hate saying the Lord, called to Abraham a second time and said, and, and, t- second time out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says Yahweh, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, the way this is reading is like the most high is going to give this blessing based off of that. But he told him beforehand he was going to do this. So this is just a reiteration of the same thing. This is not because Abraham did what he did, but it's because it's consistent with what the most high said. That needs to be made clear. Verse 19. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. That's 19 verses. Because if you finish the chapter from 20 to 24, it talks about the family of Nahor. So it's completely it's completely out of place in line with that story. You know, what I'm saying it just goes into a genealogy of a man named Nahor. And the thing is, Nahor was Nahor was related to Abraham. So we can read it real quick. Now, I came to pass after these things that it was told to Abraham, saying, indeed, Milcah has also borne children to your brother Nahor. So this is Abraham's brother. Huz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother. Kimuel, the father of Aram, Chesed, Hazo, Pedash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begot Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother, his concubine, whose name was Rumah. Also bore Tabah, Gaham, Tahash, and Masha. So, going into that genealogy, Abraham's brother had some kids, but 
19, from 1 to 19, we talk about this little trek, which is very serious, that Abraham took with his son Isaac to go sacrifice him for the Most High. And then, also, I need to read this too. The first verse of chapter 23. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So, put, read this. Like, let's, let's, let's go deep, y'all. Come on, man. Don't just read this joint on surface level. Right after this happened, this fantastic thing happened. Abraham was supposed to sacrifice his son, was about to do it, heard a voice from heaven saying, don't do it. Most High gave him confirmation, said, you my man, man. You wasn't going to withhold your only son. I'm going to do the same thing a couple years from now. I'm going to give you my only son. You my man. I bet Most High saw himself in that. So he said, man, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to just bless the mess out of you because of that. Then after that's over, they find a ram, they offer the sacrifice, and then they dip. Got genealogy of his brother, and you got the death of his wife. So if you take out that genealogy of his brother, then you essentially have, after this fantastic thing that happens with Isaac about to be sacrificed and then a ram being put into place, they go back home and Sarah dies. That's horrible. After this happens, you know, Isaac, you know, Sarah, had she known, this book says had she known, she wouldn't have let Isaac go. You know what I'm saying? So that had to be even rougher because Isaac, when he knew he was about to be sacrificed, I'm sure he was like, man, I ain't even get to say nothing to my mother. I ain't even get to tell him I'm not, not going to see my mother no more. So imagine him getting back. His mother's dead. That's a mess, man. I, w- I wouldn't want that type of work. So it leaves a lot to the imagination because you're like, man, that's, that's kind of sinister. I mean, it's not kinda, that's unfortunate. Let me say that word. It's not sinister. It's unfortunate. So that's the story as we have it. Now, before I get into that same story in the book of Jasher, chapter 23, I want to remind you of this. This book of Jasher and the book of Jubilees and other books were predate what's going on here, predate the formation of the entire canonized 66 books of the Bible. So this information was the foundation of this information, because when you hear me read this story in Jasher, what you just heard out of Genesis 22 was the summarized, extremely summarized version of the full story. Now, you can say, well, how you know that's real? How you going to believe that? It's a different account. How you know any of that's real? That is the mindset of someone really ready to discount anything that's not coming out of there. And what did we just talk about in the beginning? I'm not saying that somebody's doing it right now, but I want to meet the argument before it's made. The most high cannot be contained. There's information that has been tampered with, that has been corrupted. Think to yourself, if the enemy was really out here and he knew that the way of salvation was getting to know the Father and the very information was written down in books, wouldn't it cross your mind if you being the arch enemy and smarter than any human being that you would change the words of? That would be the least that you would do. So it's not far-fetched that the devil has tampered around with this information. So that's why when people make that argument, it's like, no, this is it. It's like, man, this has been tampered with. Everything's been tampered with. That's why it is necessary to run everything past the most high. In everything. Because he knows men have lied. He knows how we are. He knows our nature. But <clears throat> I do want to say this. This story in Jasher, same account, is elaborated on. It's going to fill a whole lot of holes. You may ask yourself the question, how is it that there's a more elaborate version? It comes, what comes to mind now, it's been drilled in my head for years, is the issue with the four Gospels. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all four of them do is give a different account of everything that happened. Some brothers leave certain acts of mir- some miraculous acts out, and others keep them in there. The question can then be asked, well, which ones did he do? All of them should have been saying the same thing. Well, there's a lot of hearsay. Remember, he was popular. So the stories of renown of what he did went around. 
And I'm sure everybody's heard, you know, if you if somebody says one sentence in one person's ear and they tell about three or four or five or six other people and it comes back to the originator, the story's changed up. It ain't never going to be the same way they spit it, man. So the same type of thing is evident when I'm about to read this book. In my eyes, that's how I'm seeing it. I'm telling you where I'm at. So say a prayer. We're about to go in. Uh, chapter 23, Book of Jasher. At the time, this is the same story. Now, <laughs> let's, let's line this joint up, man, because there's only 19 verses in here. It says, now it came to pass, this is 22 verse 1 of Genesis. It says, now it came to pass after these things that Yah tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. That's the first verse. What's the first verse here say? It says, at the time the word of Yahweh came to, Ab came to Abraham and he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Same verse. We starting this thing off synchronized. Chapter 22 of Genesis, verse 1. Chapter 23 of Jasher, verse 1. Same thing. Let's continue. Verse 2. And he said to him, Take now thy son, thy only son, whom thou lovest, even Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which shall be shown to thee. And there wilt thou see a cloud and give glory to Yahweh. Verse 2 and 22 of Genesis. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I wish Dame was in this joint because I'd be like, young, is it the same thing? He'd be like, yeah. my man would be right there. Same thing. First two verses. Let's continue. 23. And Abraham said within himself, how shall I separate my son Isaac from Sarah, his mother, in order to bring him up for a burnt offering before Yahweh? That's a real question. That's a question that a man would ask if he knew he had to kill the only son, especially, you know, how mothers and sons, my mother loved me. I'm going to tell you that right now. Mothers and sons got a bond just like fathers and daughters got, got a bond. They got a bond. So his first thing goes to my mind. His mind is like, how am I going to do this and, and not tell Sarah about this? She'll lose her mind. She finds out. Let's continue reading. Verse four, chapter 23 of Jasher. And Abraham came into the tent. And he sat before Sarah, his wife, and he spoke these words to her. My son Isaac is grown up, and he has not for some time studied the service of his Elohim. Now tomorrow I will go and bring him to Shem. Yes, Shem, the son of Noah, and Eber, his son. And there he will learn the ways of Yahweh, for they will teach him to know, the, to know Yahweh, as well as to know that when he prayeth continually before Yahweh, he will answer him. Therefore, he will know the way of serving Yahweh, his Elohim. That is is the conversation that trans that transpired when Abraham was rationalizing himself after he the most had already told him where to go, what he was supposed to do. Now he's going to talk to his wife. After those same two synchronized verses in both books, the third verse in Genesis says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which Elohim had told him. So, Y'all told him he just up and left. He didn't tell Sarah nothing. He just dipped. That's what that's telling me. If we're reading it. And I'm not, I want you to understand something. I'm not coming after this. If it were not for this, I wouldn't have an interest for this. This is the foundation of this. My point in all this is telling you that there is more. And it deserves to be researched. Now, I will give the excuse that I used to give back in the day. My grandfather's alive. I can just ask him. Oh, that's going to require more work and I got too much stuff to do. 
I got my own job. I got my family. I got all these different things moving around. I ain't got time to sit around and read extra books that ain't a part of the 66 that my pastor told me is all I need to get into the kingdom. I don't need to do all that. That type of deception, for like, we die for a lack of knowledge. Oh, say that joint all the time on here, man. Lack of knowledge, we die. So let's learn something tonight. Had this conversation with his wife. Uh, verse 5. Uh, no, hold on. Verse 6. This is Sarah's response. We don't get that. Remember, right here, Abraham's up and out. And Abraham uh, and Sarah said, thou hast spoken well. Go, my Lord, and do unto him as thou hast said. But remove him not a great distance from me. Neither let him remain here too long, for my soul is bound within his soul. And Abraham said unto Sarah, let us pray to Yahweh, our Elohim, that he may do with us. That he do good, do good with us. And Sarah took her son Isaac and he abode all that night with her. And she kissed and embraced him and gave him instructions until the morning. I want you to peek what's going on here, bro. You got a mother considering the words of her husband, trusting him with the life of the son that she had when she was 90. Now, if my mother loved me. She had me when she was 20 something. You know how much more special Isaac is because he is a direct answer to prayer that she didn't believe in. So she really don't want this brother to go nowhere. She want him to always be around. He's a true mama's boy. Like, I don't let him out of my sight. And then before he leaves. She hugs and kisses him. When I left to go to college, my mother wouldn't stop kissing me and hugging me. Start crying and everything. This is a woman who loves her son. We're not getting that in here. That we're just getting an overview. So the fact that there is more is now opening my mind. It's filling holes because back then I'm like, well, where's Sarah in all this? When I'm first hearing this story, I'm like, oh, what, what did Sarah have to say? And she was just like, yeah, go ahead and kill him. Did she know? But couldn't nobody answer my question. They might tell you what Ellen White said, but Ellen White ain't scripture. Let me say that again. Ellen White ain't scripture. She cliff notes. But there is a spirit, a walk that gave her utterance and gave her information. He can give it to you, too. All you got to do is look for it or ask for it. Verse nine. And she said to him, oh, my son, how can my soul separate itself from thee? And she kissed him and embraced him. And she gave Abraham instructions concerning him. Don't that sound like a mother? Your son about to leave. It's like, don't you let that boy go nowhere near this. Don't let him go nowhere near no wild animals. Don't let him sleep by himself like in the desert. It's like, I'm sure that's what she was doing. Because she wanted to, she wanted, she didn't want nothing to happen to her only son. Verse 10, and, and Sarah said to Abraham, oh my Lord, I pray thee take heed of thy son and place thine eyes over him. For I have no other son nor daughter but him. She's retelling her husband. I ain't got nobody else. Don't let nothing happen to my son. You can see a black woman tell her. You can do that. Oh, forsake him not. If he be hungry, give him bread. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. And do not, him let, do not let him go on foot, neither let him sit in the sun. <laughs> now, don't that sound like a muffin? If he hungry, feed him. If he thirsty, give him something to drink. Don't let him sit in the sun too long because he's going to get a headache. And don't let him walk on foot because he's going to get tired. He might stumble and injure himself. She, that's how a mother does, man. Mothers got the eye. They care so much for their sons, and it's a God-given instinct that they think about all that. A father ain't thinking about all that. He's a boy. Let that boy walk. I'll push him down myself. Let him get tough. You know what I'm saying? That's how a man would look at it. But a mother's like, don't let nothing happen to my child. That's what she was doing. Doesn't that give a little bit more depth to this story already? We, he, we ain't even gotten to verse 3 in Genesis yet. We ain't even gotten there. And I'm 12 verses into Jasher, chapter 23. Let's keep going. 13, and Sarah wept bitterly the whole night on account of Isaac, and she gave him instructions till morning. Mother loved her son. 
crying. My son about to leave in the morning crying all night and gave him. And this thing says, hold on. It said she gave him instructions till morning. That means she was giving him stuff to do all night long. She didn't even let him sleep. <laughs> At least that's what I like to think. Maybe the brother got a little bit of shut eye, but it's just like she was talking to him. You know, she was she she was nitpicking. Fourteen in the mo- and in the morning, Sarah selected a very fine, beautiful garment for those garments which she had in the house that Abimelech gave to her, had given to her. Abimelech is the king of the Philistines, and if you know a little bit about Abraham and your history, Abraham uh, dwelt in the land of the Philistines for a portion of time. He didn't stay there, but he dwelt there. And the reason why Abimelech gave Sarah uh, any type of expensive anything is because the same thing that happened to Egypt with Abraham and Sarah happened in the Philistine area to where they were going into Philistia. And Abraham was like, young, if anybody come up to you, tell them you're my sister. So again, another king, first it was the Pharaoh, now it's Abimelech, was like, yeah, she's fine, bring her here. He started giving her all these gifts, and the next thing you know what happened. The angel of the Most High came down, started striking the whole land of the Philistines because on account that this man's wife, the chosen man, Abraham, had his wife in the presence of another man who wanted to get with her because of a lie. And so the same thing happened, man. They get out of there. But that's just, you know, quick little notes. If you do some studying, you find out a lot more. Um, Verse 15, and she dressed Isaac, her son, therewith, and she put a turban on his head. Put a turban on his head. Made him, look, made him look nice. And then she enclosed a precious stone in the top of the turban, and she gave them provision for the road, and they went forth. And Isaac went with his father Abraham, and some of their servants accompanied them to see them off the road. So they had people following them out there to see them off. Now, I remember watching Indiana Jones back in the day. I can't remember. I think it was the Temple of Doom, and they had this, this rich... This rich kid, he was like a sultan or whatever. He lived like deep in the jungle of like India or something like that. You know what I'm saying? That was, He lived in the Temple of Dagon Doom. And he had this gigantic ruby in the middle of his turban. So when I read that, that's what I thought of. I was like, oh, yeah, putting the jewel in the middle of the turban. That's something I seen, you know, intrigued me. Interesting. You know, I marked that joint up. I was like, okay, that's interesting to me. Uh, continue to go. 16. And Sarah went out with them and she accompanied them upon the road to see them off. And they said to her, return to the tent. They had to tell his mother to turn around and go home. You know how you, if you're going off to college, your mother going to stand by the mailbox till your car is out of sight before she's going back in the house. So Sarah was going to stand there and wait till the camels were out of sight before she was going to go back to the tent. They tried to tell her to go back to the tent. I wouldn't have done that because you might in- incur the wrath of Sarah if that happened. But, you know, I'm going off story. So 17. And when Sarah heard these words of her son Isaac, she wept bitter. Oh, Isaac told her that. I'm sorry. Isaac told her to go back to the tent. She made his mother cry right before he dipped. That ain't, that ain't nice. And Abraham, her husband, wept with her, and their son wept with them a great weeping. Also, those who went with them wept greatly too. Everybody crying. <laughs> Isaac ain't never left the tent, man. Everybody crying. Sad day. And Sarah caught hold of her son Isaac, and she held him in her arms, and she embraced him. And continued to weep with him. And Sarah said, who knoweth if after this day I shall ever see thee again? Remember that question. Because according to Genesis, she never saw him again. And it was abrupt. He had the whole sacrificial incident happen. When he got home, his mother was dead. Let's see what happens. But in this filling in, this is like adding depth to humanity. And when we read these stories in the word, we got to put ourselves in these situations. There's got to be humanity in there. The fact that. That that may lack it may cause that disconnect. 
Because those people are not always searching truly with all their heart, with all their mind. Didn't the most I say that in this word? He said, if you seek me with everything you are, you're going to find me. Everybody don't seek like that. So if they read this story, they might be like, oh, man, Sarah ain't even say nothing about Isaac going to get sacrificed. Man, this joint ain't real. Close the book. Wop. And other situations like that because they don't see the real in it. They don't see the humanity in it. I'm giving that to you right now through the book of Jasher. Let's keep reading. Verse 20, and Abraham went with his son to bring him up as an offering before Yahweh as he commanded him. And Abraham took two of his young men with him. Finally, we're at verse 3 of chapter 22 in Genesis. Let's read what this say. This is chapter 21 in Jasher, verse 20, chapter 23. And Abraham took two of his sons with men with him, Ishmael, the son of Hagar, and Eleazar, his servant. And they went together with him. And whilst they were walking in the road, the young men spoke these words to themselves. Hold fast. The two men that was with Abraham and Isaac wasn't just two Jews, wasn't just two jokers off the street. It wasn't just two, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was his son, his other son, Ishmael, and Eliezer, his top servant. The one who ran the errand to Sodom to go rap the lot. That Eliezer. So he, had, he didn't just have two of his dudes. He had two of his, he had his son, his oldest son, and his main servant with him. And they said something to each other. Let's see what they said. And Ishmael said to Eliezer, now my father is going with Isaac to bring him up for a burnt offering to Yahweh as he commanded him. Ishmael knew what was about to happen. Now, when he returneth, he will give unto me all that he possesses to inherit after him, for I am his firstborn. Ishmael had ambition. He said, oh, he about to take out my little brother, who I know everything's supposed to go to. So if I roll. When he kills him, he's surely going to give me all of his possessions because Abraham was rich. So if I had a rich daddy, of course, I'd want all his possessions myself. So that's why he went to make sure things went according to his plan. Okay. So we see where Ishmael coming from. 24. And Eliezer answered Ishmael and said, surely Abraham did cast thee away with thy mother. Ooh, Eliezer came with the heat. He was like, bro, he told you to get out with your moms. You ain't getting nothing. And swear that thou shalt not inherit anything of all he possesses, and to whom he will give all that he has, and whom will he give all that he has, I'm sorry, with all his treasures, but unto me his servant, who has been faithful in his house, who has served him night and day, and has done all that, all that he desired me. To me will he bequeath at his death all that he possesses. Eliezer on that same type of time too. He's like, man, he ain't going to give it to you. I'm going because I know he's going to give it to me because I'm his number one man. I'm his, uh, his, uh, who was, I'm his Jeffrey. <laughs> I think, uh, uh, Will Smith, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Jeffrey was that dude, man. Jeffrey, I love Jeffrey on that show, man. He gave good advice at times, you know, people were struggling on the show. I love that show, man. It was a good show. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, 80s baby, which you know. Let's continue. Uh, 25. And whilst, and whilst Abraham was proceeding with his son Isaac along the road, Satan came. And appeared to Abraham in the figure of a very aged man, humble and contrite spirit. And he approached Abraham and said to him, Art thou silly or brutish that thou goest to do this thing this day to thine only son? The devil knew what was going to go down. And the devil came as an aged man to Abraham who was also aged. Because, you know, aged men have a respect amongst them because they both aged. So they must be having wisdom. So he came to him. In an acceptable form that Abraham would receive. This is another aged man. I'm an aged man. He probably got some wisdom or something to say. He said it to him. Let's not lose track of where we are in Genesis now. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. So from when they left, 
it go, we're skipping the entire journey. Now, three days we're going past Abraham looking up, he sees the mountain. But more is happening in this journey that we don't have anything about until now in Jasher. For Yah gave thee, so 26, for Yah gave thee a son in thy latter days, in thy old age. And wilt thou go and slaughter him in this day because he committed no violence? And wilt thou cause the soul of thine only son to perish from the earth? This is the question Satan is asking Abraham. Dost thou not know and understand that this thing cannot be from Yahweh? For Yahweh cannot do unto man such evil upon the earth to say to him, go slaughter thy child. 28. Because Abraham had a relationship with the father. He had talked to him. He knew him. He knew what his command was. Because Abraham had a solid, unshakable relationship with the most high. Verse 28 says, and Abraham heard this and knew that it was the word of Satan who endeavored to draw him aside from the way of Yahweh. But Abraham would not hearken to the voice of Satan and Abraham rebuked him so that he went away. Now, I want to stop right there because the real thing about this is every time the Most High gives you something to do, the devil's always going to try to stop you. That's why this is real to me. You can make up whatever excuse you want, whether this is real or fake to you. But if you have truly gotten orders from the Most High, the devil's going to be right there. He knows all about your orders. He's going to try to stop you. And you're going to have to make a choice. It started in the garden. Do not eat of that tree. Devil comes along. Why you ain't eating? Did he say you was going to surely die? Testing him. It was allowed to happen because Yah comes from love. Love doesn't force. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to force. Yah does not force because he is love. He wants you to make a solid choice. He gave a command. Abraham knew what the command was. He let the devil test him. You're going to come across tests. The testing of your faith is, is, <laughs> is necessary, man. I don't know. whatever. It's essential. You got, your faith has to be tested because when things get rough and you got to make that split decision and you hear the word from the most high, you got to react. You got to go. You got to do what you got to do. You can't be, well, man, should I or should I not? Does that make sense? Did my pastor tell me what God's telling me right now? Well, who else can I depend on? Do I have a granddad or somebody I can go to to ask what God is saying? Nah, man, you got to have your own relationship with the most high. And the devil's going to test you. So, 29. He's Satan, because he, he, he's a persistent little bastard. Man, he said, and Satan returned and came to Isaac, and he appeared unto Isaac in the figure of a young man, handsome and well-favored. Comely means handsome. That's, that's what it says in the book. And well-favored. Okay, so if you're well-favored, that means you you popular. I don't know how he was able to display that. Maybe he had some rings or a gold chain, you know what I'm saying? Because you know you got wealth, you must be important if you got all that stuff. So he probably came to me, you know, iced out, young just like he was. And he came in a form that would be acceptable unto the son because if he came as a young man to abraham abraham's like man get out of here bro i'm the patriarch i'm the father of the faithful you ain't even got the years behind you that i got what you gonna tell me maybe it would have been like that but the devil knows what was acceptable to that person so he came as a young man to isaac and he approached Isaac and said unto him, Dost thou not know and understand that thy old silly father bringeth thee to slaughter this day for naught? He told, well, clearly, if Isaac didn't know before, he know now. Because this young man says he's about to take you out. He's going to do it for nothing. 31. Now, therefore, my son, do not listen or attend to him. For he is a silly old man. He called his father silly twice. And this is a young man that he's just meeting. Yet he's calling his father silly. That kind of gives it away because that's strange. If I'm just meeting you, how you going to call my father silly or stupid and you ain't never met him before? This is the first time I'm seeing you. 
Um, now, therefore, my son, do not listen nor attend to him, for he is a silly old man. And let not thy precious soul and beautiful figure be lost from the earth. Let not thy precious soul and beautiful figure be lost from the earth. What you care about all that for? <laughs> How would you know about my soul? And why are you looking at me like that, bro? This is what he's saying. It's strange. And Isaac heard this and said to his father, Abraham, hast thou heard my father that which this man has spoken? Even thus he has spoken. See, what did Abraham tell Sarah before he left? He said, I'm going to take my son so that he can learn the ways and the service of the Most High. Isaac didn't have a relationship yet. Not yet. But what was about to happen was very pivotal in his spiritual growth. And he needed to experience and see it. Because right now, you see, he didn't ask the Most High what was going on. He asked Abraham, his father, because he knew his father had a connection. That's like me going to my granddad when he was still here, asking him any questions about the Bible, because I know he got a connection, but I ain't got one yet. So it's like when he asked him that, let's see what Abraham said. And Abraham answered his son Isaac and said to him, take heed of him and do not listen to his words, nor attend to him, for he is Satan, endeavoring to draw us aside this day from the commands of Elohim. Abraham knew what it was, gave it straight to his son. Uh, just a recap, we still haven't reached verse 4 in chapter 22 of Genesis yet. This is still the track. Let's keep reading. And Abraham still rebuked Satan. Sometimes you got to rebuke the devil, man. That word is for me right there. Most I will speak to you in the midst when it. Sometimes you can't just rebuke the devil one time. He's persistent. And he might let you rest. A couple, a couple minutes, hours, days, maybe even a week, he might let you ask. He's going to come back again, try to mess with you. And you got to keep the bulwark of faith up, man. You got to rebuke him again. He's going to try to wear you down through attrition, which is what he was essentially doing right here. So this scripture says that Abraham rebuked him again. You see how much this is filling in gaps and, and helping? That's a lesson right there. The devil's going to continue to come back. There, I know there are other stories in the Bible where the devil probably came back a couple times, but this one is right here, right now. And it's a story I don't have yet. But because I searched and I wanted to know more and I was intrigued by the story, I went and now I got another lesson in my pocket. So next time I get tested, I can be like, yeah, Abraham had to rebuke him a couple times before he left him alone. So maybe I got to do the same thing. That's another verse, another weapon in my mental, spiritual arsenal. That I can pull out when I'm feeling low. 34, um, 35 actually. And they entered, oh, hold on, hold on, no, 34. And Abraham still rebuked Satan, and Satan went from them, and seeing he could not prevail over them, he hid himself from them, and he went and passed before them in the road, and he transformed himself to a large brook of water in the road. And Abraham and Isaac and his two young men reached that place, and they saw a brook large and powerful as the mighty waters. Let's stop, because I know the people are just saying, how in the world did the devil turn himself into a large body of water? First of all, he's a supernatural being. He can do a lot of stuff we don't understand. That man would be whipping up hurricanes out over the Atlantic and sending them along the coast all the time because he's that powerful. He has some power. He's supernatural. We're only natural. So if you read something like this, you're like, nah, this joint fake because he turned himself to a body of water. Don't be that ignorant, please. Let's keep reading. And they and they went, it said, 35, and they entered the brook and passed through it, and the waters at first reached their legs. So they walking through the water, water reaching their legs. And they went deeper in the brook, and the waters reached up to their necks. And they were all terrified on the account of the water. And whilst they were going over the brook, Abraham recognized the plate, that place. And he knew that there was no water there before. See, Abraham is a man who knows the road. 
Real quick story. My father can drive from here down to Alabama to his alma mater without no map. He knows he just knows the roads. He's tra traveled them so many times. And I probably could right now, too, because I traveled them when I was down there. When you when you have some aids underneath your belt and there are familiar roads that you've taken, you ain't going to forget where to go. You can always get back to your folks' house or somewhere important. You're going to remember the way. Abraham remembered this way. He said, man, ain't no water supposed to be here. Ain't never been no water here. So let's find out what happens. 37, and Abraham said to his son Isaac, I know this place in which there was no brook, no water. Now, therefore, it is this Satan who does all this to us to draw us aside this day from the commands of Yah. And Abraham rebuked him and said unto him, Yahweh rebuke thee, O Satan, be gone, for, be gone from us, for we go by the commands of Yah. Not today, Satan. Third time rebuked. He had to do it three times. Keep that in mind. And Satan was terrified at the voice of Abraham. I'm going to read that again. Abraham made a choice to rock with the Most High. And it said, and Satan was terrified at the voice of Abraham. And he went away from them. And the place again became dry land as it was at first. And Abraham went with Isaac towards the place that Yah had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place at a distance which Yah had told him of. Verse 41. Now we on verse 4 of Genesis. What does the next verse say? And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. That's verse 5 of Genesis. Um, so back to Jasher. Verse 42. He just looked up, saw the place. And a pillar of fire appeared to him that reached from earth to heaven and a cloud of glory upon the mountain. And the glory of Yahweh was seen in the cloud. So he didn't just look up and see a mountain. He saw a pillar of fire and a cloud that had the glory of the most high, similar to what Moses saw in Sinai. Matter of fact, it was the same doggone thing. It wasn't similar. It was most high. That was him. And Abraham said, man, hold on. The most high was already at the mountain where they were about to do the sacrifice. That's all that should alleviate any type of stress or fear. Like he's already there. It's not like he's just going to some barren place to sacrifice. It's like the most high's presence is already there. So ain't nothing going to go. wrong. That's probably what gave Abraham the courage to be like, you know, if I do slay my son, it's going to be all right because he can bring the presence of the most high right on the mountain. He can, he can bring him back if he wants. Filling in holes. That's all I'm doing. That's just my mind going. If your mind going a different direction, cool. But, that, you know, that's where mind going. And um, where we at? And Isaac said, okay, and Abraham said to Isaac, my son, dost thou see in that mountain which we perceive at a distance that which I can see upon it? And Isaac, and Isaac answered and said to his father, and I see, and lo, a pillar of fire and a cloud, and the glory of Yahweh is seen upon the cloud. So Isaac and Abraham could both see the same thing. All right, let's keep going. And Abraham knew that his son Isaac was accepted before Yahweh for a burnt offering by the fact that he could see this. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's amazing. I mean, I don't even know how to break that down any more than that. When he saw the fire, Isaac saw it too. And because he saw the same thing that he saw, because what he's looking at has to be so incredible. It's like, man, are you seeing, have you ever seen something? I see, <laughs> I see the fire chick one time. My man was with me. And, you know, brothers said each other something signals. We ain't like, man, do you see? We, don't, we ain't that hot. I just stepped on my dude's shoulder. I was like, man, do you see this youngin' walking? He was like, he hit me back. He's like, bruh. That's all he said. He saw it too. And we knew we saw the same thing. <laughs> Side story. But, you know, that's what I think about when I'm reading this part. Um, 
and 46. And Abraham said unto Eliezer and unto Ishmael, his son, do you also see that which we see upon the mountain, which is at a distance? And they answered and said, we see nothing more than the than like the other mountains of the earth. And Abraham knew that they were not accepted before Yahweh to go with them. And Abraham said to them, abide ye here with the ass. <laughs> abide ye here, not with the donkey. Abide ye here with the ass while I and Isaac, my son, will go yonder mount and worship there before Yahweh and then return to you. Now we're caught up with verse five. Verse five says, Abraham said to the young men, stay here, I'm going to go. Verse six. So Abraham took the wood and burned off in the fire in his hand, and then they rolled. So let, let's see. Let's see how far we got to go to catch up to that. Um, and Eliezer and Ishmael remained in that place as Abraham had commanded. And Abraham took wood for a burnt offering and placed it upon his son Isaac. And he took the fire and the knife, and they both went to that place. It's like the same doggone verse. Verse forty-nine of Jasher. Chapter 23, and I'm, I'm making these comparisons for a reason, man, because people are going to say, oh, that, that ain't real. That is, let, let, what's moving on your heart right now? Is it the most high or your own thoughts about this? I'm going to keep reading. I ain't going to stay on that. I ain't going to lean on y'all. And when they were going along, Isaac said to his father, behold, I see the fire in the wood, but then, but where then is the land that is to be burnt? On the offering before Yah. So Isaac did ask the question. He's like, man, we got everything for a sacrifice, but where's the lamb? That's the very next verse in uh, verse 7. He says the same thing. He says, well, we got everything, where's the lamb? Verse 8 in Genesis says, my son, Yah will provide for himself. So let's what it say. And Abraham answered his son Isaac saying, Yahweh has made the choice of thee, my son, to be a perfect offering instead of the lamb. Oh, so if Isaac certainly didn't know, Abraham told him what was about to go down right here. He told him. He's like, we ain't got no lamb. You're going to be the lamb. They ain't up the mountain yet. Isaac is about to hike a mountain now knowing that he's about to be killed. From At least from this point, what I'm reading, now he knows. And Isaac said unto his father, I will do all that Yahweh spoke to thee with joy and cheerfulness of heart. That is powerful. This brother just found out he about to get killed, sacrificed to the most high. And his choice and his decision to say the words. Let me read it again. Isaac said unto his father, I will do all that Yahweh spoke to thee with joy and cheerfulness of heart. Don't we have a verse in scripture that says do everything as unto the Lord. Do it with cheerfulness and a willing heart. He wants you to be willing to do. This man was willing to die cheerfully. Go, go ahead and take me out. If it's going to serve your purpose, take me out. I don't care. Because I know, see, that comes with the comfort and knowing of what waits for you on the other side. Or what's going to be the end of everything. When you know what's coming, it's like, you, you go do what you want. Do what you want, Mosiah. 52. Uh, no, 53. And Abraham again said unto his son Isaac, Is there in thy heart any thought or counsel concerning this which is not proper? Tell me, my son, I pray thee. Oh, my son, conceal it not from me. So Abraham pretty much checked him and said, you sure? You got any doubts? Let me know. 54. And Isaac answered his father Abraham and said unto him, O father, as Yah liveth, and as, excuse me, as thy soul liveth, there is nothing in my heart to cause me to deviate either to the right or to the left from the word that he has spoken to thee. He, he doubled down with the confirmation. He's like, man, ain't nothing to the right hand or the left. The most I've been talking about that all through the Old Testament. Don't go to the either. Don't don't deviate from the path I gave you or from the laws and the statutes, either to the right hand or the left. He says that a lot in the Old Testament. 
Isaac is saying it here. That's just like a subtle, a subtle uh, correlation between this scripture and that, man, the right hand or the left. They were actually saying that because it was serious. It was serious. He's like, I'm, I'm going to keep my word. I ain't going to fake at all. I'm 100. I ain't going to go left hand behind your back or right hand. I'm going to do everything that is supposed to be done. He's a man, man. And this is Isaac. This is the son of Abraham. This is the reason why he gave it to him, man. Um, uh, da, 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 da. 55. Neither limb nor muscle has moved or stirred at this, nor is there in my heart any thought or evil counsel concerning this. Man, he's like, man, I ain't even twitch at this. He's like, man, I'm looking at this thing, chest out, face in the face in the fire. He's like, hey, I ain't even flinching. That's essentially what he's saying. He's neither limb nor muscle has moved or stirred at this. What is that? Is that is that not a twitch? I'm asking questions like Bab is in here. That's why I need Damon in this joint. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, where we at? But I am of joyful and cheerful heart in this matter, and I say, Blessed is Yahweh, who has this day chosen me to be a burnt offering before him. And Abraham greatly rejoiced at the words of Isaac, and they went on and came together to that place that Yahweh had spoke of. And Abraham approached to build the altar in that place, and Abraham was weeping. And Isaac took stones and mortar until they had finished building the altar. So they both built the joint together. Um, verse 9 of Genesis says, They came to the place and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altars. Now, see, from this perspective, I'm thinking like Isaac is standing around like a little child. And Abraham's just going over him because he probably shook because he don't know what's about to happen. And so he's just probably frozen and Abraham tying him up. In this joint, not only did Isaac say, man, I'm about that, but then he helped his father build the altar that he was going to be killed on. And Abraham was crying during the whole time, which makes sense, man. That's the element of humanity. Ain't no father going to be about to kill their only son and not crying. I mean, fathers who have sons, you know, if you hearing this, I ain't got no son yet, but I imagine I'd love my son if I had one. I mean, it's like that element is necessary because it brings that human connection. You see, you don't look at Abraham and say, oh, he's some saint who maybe messed up once or twice, but yeah, I still rock with him anyway. This brings that element, man, and that's important. That's why it needs to come out. Um, 59, and Abraham took the wood and placed it in order upon the altar which he had built. And he took his son Isaac, bound him in order to place him upon the wood, which was upon the altar to slay him for a burnt offering before Yahweh. That's verse 60 of the book of Jasher. And that is synonymous with uh, duh, 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 verse 9 of Genesis. But then verse 10 talks about when he stretched out his hand to kill him. And then the angel of the Lord said something. So those are the next two verses. He's, he put him on the altar, put his hand up, then he heard the voice. So let's see what happens in between that. And that's what we find. It. 61. And Isaac said to his father, ooh, watch how much harder. I, I got a lot more respect. See, I don't know much about Isaac. Except that he had Rebecca, and she was fine, and a couple other things, man. But it's just like, Isaac was that dude, man. He was... <laughs> And Isaac said to his father, bind me securely and then place me upon the altar, lest I should turn and move and break loose from the force of the knife upon my flesh and therefore profane the burnt offering. And Abraham did so. He said, man. He said, <laughs> now I can't see. He said, bind me securely. So that I can't even fall off or shift so that the kill ain't clean, because then I'll be profaning. The sacrifice of myself that is going to be made to the most high. Would you please marinate on that? Don't please don't surface this joint, Slim. Like, see what's going on. 62. 
And Isaac still said to his father, O my father, when thou shalt have slain me and burnt me for an offering, take with thee that which shall remain of my ashes and bring to Sarah, my mother, and say to her, this is the sweet smelling savor of Isaac. Mercy. And do not tell her this if she should sit near a well or upon any high place, lest she should cast her soul after me and die. Hold on, because I got my highlighters. Just y'all see my book if you can. But I got all my I got to highlight that joint because it wasn't highlighted before. And I don't understand. But I want to just break this down real quick. Isaac is saying anything that remains in my body after you burn me up, I want you to take my ashes to my mother. And make sure she is sitting down in a secure place and tell her that these is, this is the sweet smelling savor, which goes along correla correlation to the sacrificial system that was given that said all through Leviticus, if I'm not mistaken, whenever they made a sacrifice, it was a sweet smelling savor to them. He was saying this then. And he was talking about himself being a sweet smelling savior because he was the one about to be burned. If your respect level don't jump a thousandfold for Isaac after reading this, man, let me keep going. And 63, and Abraham heard these words of Isaac, and he lifted his voice and wept when Isaac spake these words. I know he did, because he said, my, my son is a rider. Now you telling me I got to take him out? I know Abraham was balling at that. And Abraham, oh, listen to this. This, this, is, this is key right here. This, these next two verses, I remember this. And Abraham's tears gushed down upon Isaac, his son, and Isaac wept bitterly. And he said to his father, hasten thou, O my father, and do with me the will of Yahweh our Elohim as he has commanded thee. And the hearts of Abraham and Isaac rejoiced at this thing which Yahweh had commanded them. But the eye wept bitterly whilst the heart rejoiced. That's verse 64, book of Jasher, chapter 23. If you have that. If you have it on your phone, maybe like screenshot that for right now. It's going to be, I'm going to make another point to that later. But the fact that the hearts of Abraham and Isaac rejoiced in this bitter moment, their eyes were crying, but their hearts were rejoicing. It made a point to say that. So underline that. It's going to come back to you. 65. And Abraham bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar upon the wood. And Isaac stretched forth his neck upon the altar before his father. And Abraham stretched forth his hand to take the knife to slay his son as a burnt offering before Yahweh. At the time, the angels of mercy came before Yahweh and spake to him concerning Isaac, saying, OK, let's let's see what's going on here. Abraham about to take him out. And angels are assembling in front of the father on Isaac's behalf right now. Let's see what they, it says angels of mercy. Because remember, the father has angels for different ministries, for different traits. He has angels of grace, angels of mercy, angels of the wind, of the frost, of the hail, of the snow. He got angels for everything. That's why it says he has thousands and ten thousands upon thousands minister before him. When you're ministering, you're carrying out a service for him. So if you have angels of mercy, these angels are, ain't nothing that man. These angels of mercy probably the ones that cause cars to not hit you while you're driving on the road. Cause a bullet not to hit you that's flying through the night and you don't know where it's coming from. Angels of mercy are dispensing the mercy of the father all the time. These angels are before the father right now. Let's see what they say. O Lord, thou art merciful and compassionate king over all that thou hast created in heaven and earth, and thou supportest them all. Give therefore ransom and redemption instead of thy servant Isaac. 
ransom and redemption instead of thy servant Isaac and pity and have compassion upon Abraham and Isaac, his son, who are this day performing thy commands. That's self-explanatory. Hast thou seen, O Lord, how Isaac, the son of Abraham, thy servant, is bowed down to the slaughter like an animal? Now, therefore, let thy pity be roused for them, O Lord. They're calling him Lord. And since they're angels calling him Lord, I can say Lord because they ain't talking about no bail. They up there talking to the Lord. So when they say Lord, it is the Lord. At that time, Yah appeared to unto Abraham and called to him. So he didn't just hear the voice. He said this thing says he appeared unto Abraham and called to him from heaven and said unto so that you might be thinking, how can he call from heaven and appear? He's omnipresent. He can do that. He can call from heaven and be right in front of you if he wants. Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest Elohim in performing this act and, and in not withholding thy son, thine only son from me. I think we've caught up in Genesis now. Uh, yeah, do not lay your hand upon the child, verse 12. And now we're 13 where Abraham lifted up his eyes and he sees the ram in the thicket. So he hears the voice, he stops, and then he looks up and sees the ram in the thicket. That's Genesis. Let's see what happens in between that. Uh, 71 for, hold on. No, I'm sorry. Uh, do, 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 70 and Abraham lifted. Oh, okay. Right. Here's the verse. And Abraham lifted his eyes and saw and behold, a ram was caught in the thicket by his horns. Listen to this. That was the ram, which Yahweh had created in the earth in the day that he made earth in heaven. Let me tell you something. Let me stop right there. I got to stop right there on that. That's verse 70. Seven zero is the significance in that. When I read that verse, I had to stop reading and I immediately started crying. Let me tell you why. The fact that the most high, that this thing says the most high had a ram prepared from creation for this moment. Goes right along in correlation with the fact that he had the plan of salvation in play the moment when Adam and Eve sinned. He knew what was going to happen. He knew everything that was going to happen. So why not already have the solution ready before the problem even presents itself? Because he knew we were going to make a choice and he knew we were going to make the wrong one. So he had a contingency plan. He had a backup plan. He had a plan of salvation. This ram in the thicket symbolizes the son of the most high, who is a ram who was created from the beginning. The lamb, the ram for our sins, the sacrifice. He knew at the time the ram was going to be sacrificed for everybody. He knew. But now let's delve into the subtle detail of the fact that that ram was caught in the thicket because these next verses blew my mind even more after I read that. But also another thing that thing tells me, it's like, man, the father knows what your issue is, man. So if you're sitting around thinking about your troubles, your struggles and the things you deal with, and how you can't overcome the most high already got the answer in place. His grace is sufficient. His grace sustains you until the answer comes to fruition. That's really what happens. And we sit here, woe is me. And I'm talking to myself because I was dealing with this last Sunday. But you see how much time can go past. You see the difference a week can make. Seven days. Now I'm here. 71. For Yahweh had prepared this ram from that day to be a burnt offering instead of Isaac. Let me read it again. For Yahweh had prepared this ram from that day to be a burnt offering instead of Isaac. Let me say that same verse a little bit differently where it might hit home a little bit harder. So Yahweh had prepared his son, Yahweh, to die for our sins from the beginning. 
instead of everybody having to die for their own sins. I'm saying the same thing. Think about it. The answer was already prepared before the problem presented itself. Because the most high is in flipping control. And what this verse did to me beyond anything else, it pulled me out of that pit I was in. That's why I started crying because now I ain't got no excuse. It's one thing when you don't know. But when you know and then you don't believe. All praise to the most high, man. Verse 72. Let's find out why that ram was in a thicket instead of just there. And this ram was advancing to Abraham when Satan caught hold of him and entangled his horns in the thicket that he might not advance to Abraham in order that Abraham might slay his son. <sighs> if this ain't the devil, I don't know what is. He tried to keep the ram from approaching Abraham so that Abraham would not hear the voice of the Lord or Yah and kill his son accidentally. Because by that time, after being rebuked three times by Abraham, the devil knew that Abraham was going to go through with it. So he was like, all right, fine. He's going to go through with it. Take out the son and kill him. Because I know the Most High don't think he's going to do it. Or I don't think he's going to do it, but now he will. But the Most High, I, Most High is going to tell him not to do it. So let me hold fast this ram so that he can go ahead and kill his son. That's what the devil's doing. Sound like that joker, don't it? 73. And Abraham, seeing the ram advancing to him, and Satan, Satan withholding him, fetched him and brought him before the altar, and he loosed his son Isaac from his binding. Abraham pulled the ram out, and he put the ram in his stead, and Abraham killed the ram upon the altar and brought it up as an offering in the place of his son Isaac. And Abraham sprinkled some of the blood of the ram upon the altar, and he exclaimed and said, This is in the place of my son. And may be, and this may be considered this day as the blood of my son before Yahweh. Now, the Most High gave me two revelations regarding this particular portion right here. You want to believe him or not, that's up to you. This is, this is something he brought to me, so this is what I believe. The sprinkling of the blood, this was the first time this happened, according to my knowledge. If I'm wrong, send me a text, let me know I'm wrong. Before Abraham, this is the part where he's sprinkling the blood on the altar. I don't know if Noah did that when he got off the boat because I know he erected the altar, but I do not remember if he did it. But I believe this is the first time this is being done. And it was a Levitical law going forward for the rules of the temple that this be done as well. Sprinkling of the blood. So it was perpetually. But this was the first part. Also, most I impressed upon me this. This failed attempt or test at child sacrifice is what the devil used to enforce a whole Religious system of child sacrifice when people were offering their babies the Molech and the Ashtaroths. Because Abraham didn't kill his son, the devil got so mad he had the heathen nations do it so that the Israelites would see them doing it and then they started doing it. Killing their children. The Most High says, he's like, man, you caused your children to walk through the fire and pass through the fire unto Molech. Thoughts that I never had. I never gave you. So if the Most High never gave them them thoughts, then who did? And the devil can't create nothing, so where did he get the thought? Let your wheels turn. Like I said, this is what I believe. I ain't got no scriptural evidence to, to support that theory, but it's what I believe. 75. And all that Abraham did on this occasion by the altar, he would exclaim and say, This is in the room for my, of my son. 
And may it this may it this day be considered before Yahweh in the place of my son. And Abraham finished the whole of the service by the altar and the service was accepted before Yahweh and was accounted as if it had been Isaac. Oh, and Yahweh blessed Abraham and his seed on that day. So <laughs> he blessed Abraham and his seed on that day. So Yahweh took the ram that he had prepared from creation and actually looked at that ram sacrifice as if it were the sacrificial son. That, that may be too powerful to break down right now. <laughs> I'm like, he look, he just like when he looks at me, he sees me with all my flaws. He sees his son. So when he had that ram down there substituting for Isaac, he looked at Abraham sacrificing his only son, an archetype of what was going to happen in the future. I guess that's why we call him Father Abraham. Well, amongst other things, you know, but like the father. It's just my wheels turning while I'm reading. Um, 76. Now, all right, so hold on, hold fast. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, in Genesis, it talks about, okay, you wouldn't hold your own son. So now I see you going to rock with me and I'm going to bless your descendants. Verse 18, all through your seed, all the nations shall be blessed. And then 19, the final verse uh, talking about this specific story in Genesis 22. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. So he Abraham went to Beersheba after this happened. And then in that first verse, we, we got that. We got the genealogy of Nahor. And then in the first verse of 23, Sarah dies. So let's see what happens in between all that. Um, 76. And Satan went to Sarah. And he appeared to her in the figure of an old man, very humble and meek. And Abraham was yet engaged in the burnt offering before Yahweh. So the devil left the mountain where the sacrifice was going on. And he went straight to Sarah while Abraham was still making the offering the sacrifice of the ram instead of his son. He was quick to do this. He thinks on his toes. I mean, the enemy has come to kill, steal and destroy. Now watch this. And he said unto Sarah, dost thou not know all the work that Abraham has made with thine only son this day? For he took Isaac and built an altar and killed him and brought him up as a sacrifice upon the altar. And Isaac cried and wept before his father. But he looked not at him, neither did he have compassion over him. Just lying. Just a lying behind. And Satan repeated these words. He lied several times, the same lie. And he went away from her. And Sarah heard all the words of Satan. And she imagined him to be an old man from amongst the sons of men who had been with her son and had come and told her these things. Listen to these words. And she imagined him. She didn't seek the most high. Her husband wasn't around so she could see guidance from him. She's been with him just about as long as he's been alive. So she should have probably had ladies. You got to have your solid relationship, too. You cannot support or be with a man of Yah without having your own relationship with him. It's not going to work. There are many shepherds, pastors and preachers right now who have women who care nothing about the work of the most high. But they're their wife. And they can be the biggest stumbling block and hindrance. I got tons. I've heard I've heard tons of stories regarding that. Me and my man Darian rap about that all the time because he's seen that happen as well. You got women who don't care nothing about. They just know that they with the man of Yah, so they safe. It's kind of like how I felt being in the family with my granddad. Oh, we cool. We all getting in because of him. Nah, man. Ladies, you got to have your own relationship, too. 
And she imagined him to be an old man from amongst the sons of men who had been with her son. And he had come and told her these things. And Sarah lifted up her voice and wept and cried out bitterly on account of her son. And she threw herself upon the ground and she cast dust upon her head. And she said, oh, my son, Isaac, my son, oh, that I had this day died instead of thee. And she continued to weep and said, it grieves me for thee, oh, my son, my son, Isaac, oh, that I had died this day in thy stead. I mean. Ladies, you can relate to this better than I can. The death of your son. Crying and weep. Oh, my son, my son. Had I, could I die? Because she, she imagined something. She believed it. And then her emotions showed that she, she was convicted of it. I ain't going to go into that, but it just, it's very sad right now. Because everything that's happening with Isaac and Abraham, who are off doing the sacrifice for the Most High, in accordance to what they should be doing, Sarah's at home by herself. And she's dealing with this grief that because the devil came to her and lied. And, and you know, that's what he do. He's going to try to get in your head, make you believe. If the enemy cannot get at us, he tries to go after the ones we love. And this is a prime example of that. Do you see the humanity? Do you see the example? Do you see the depth? Do you see why this information is necessary? We finished in Genesis. Uh, 80. And she still continued to weep and said, it grieves me for thee after that I have reared thee and have brought thee up. Now my joy is turned into mourning over thee. I that had a longing for thee and cried and prayed to Yah till I bear thee at 90 years old. And now hast thou served this day before the knife and the fire to be made an offering. But I console myself with thee, my son, in its being the word of Yah. For thou didst perform the command of thy, uh, thy Elohim, for who can transgress the word of our Elohim? In whose hands is the soul of every living creature? Come on, Sarah! Well, why ain't got that, uh, that uh, highlighted? It's about highlighted now. Sarah, even at the bottom of it, Sarah was like, you know what? You was just doing what the Most High told you to do. And who can disobey his orders? Because he holds the power of the soul. She knew. That if, if the Most High said that his life was to be taken, then he's straight. He ain't got nothing to worry about. He's going to be with the Most High at the end of time. 82. Oh, and then, and then Sarah prays to the Most High. Thou art just, O Lord, our Elohim, for all thy works are good and righteous. For I also am rejoiced with thy word, which thou didst command. And whilst mine eye weepeth bitterly, my heart rejoiceth. That's why I told you. To underline verse 64, because Sarah, her eyes were weeping bitterly, but her heart was rejoicing. Just like her husband and her son, who were however many miles away, the same thing happened with them. Because at the end of it all, she had that hope in her. Whatever's going to happen is going to be all right, because the most highest is in control of this. She knew that. That's what this is saying. Thou art just. All thy works are good and righteous. That's, that's strength, y'all. Yeah, and she just lost her son. Is she talking like that? I, I got a supervisor at my job who lost her son in March this year. And she stayed away from work for at least four or five months. She's better now. She's strong, but I know that pains her. I gave her words of encouragement. I prayed for her. She's like my work mother. She she looks she's she black woman. She looks at me like like her work son. I don't we got a relationship. That's all I'm saying. And and I I felt bad for her when she was going through this. But to see this type of like she's 
she still has days where she remembers her son. Because she's, she's told her, she's like, it's a rough day for me. And that's all I need to hear. And she's like, I'm staying home. She'll tell me and my team that. Because we got a relationship with her. So Sarah, in her bitterness, recognizes who Yah is and that his plans are perfect. 83. And Sarah laid her head upon the bosom of one of her handmaids and she became still as a stone. So she was just resting. She was just taking in everything that happened. She was just resting with her handmaiden. And afterward, she rose up and went out making inquiries till she came to Hebron. And she inquired of all those who she met walking in the road. And no one could tell her what happened to her son. So she still went out, you know, to try to find more information. And she came with her maidservants and men servants to Kirjath Arba, which is Hebron. And she asked concerning her son. And she remained there whilst, while she sent some of her servants to seek where Abraham had gone with Isaac. They went to seek him in the house of Shem and Eber, because remember, that's where uh, Abraham told them they were going, and they could not find them. And they sought throughout the land, and he was not there. And behold, Satan came to Sarah in the shape of an old man again, and he came and stood before her and said unto her, I spoke falsely unto thee. The devil is now saying that he told a lie to her. This is the devil saying, I, I lied to you. For Abraham did not kill his son, and he is not dead. And when she heard the word, her joy was so exceedingly violent on account of her son that her soul went out through joy, and she died and was gathered to her people. That's a serious verse. Let me tell you what the breakdown most high gave to me. After Sarah got tested by the information being known to her that her son was dead, the most high tested her in that news because, remember, she's a matriarch. She's Abraham's wife, so she's the mother of the faithful. She was tested. At the end of it, she said that the Most High is gracious. He's right. He's righteous. He's just. Whatever he decides, that's what it's going to be. And I'm sure this is, this is just my imagination. I'm sure the Most High was like he told the devil. He was like, now nah, go tell her the truth. Since you tested all my servants and they all proved you wrong, you are at shame. You're the one that's wrong. Go tell her the truth. He told her the truth. And in that, Sarah was allowed to be laid to rest because it said that her joy returned to her so violently that her soul. What did it say? It says that her soul went through, went out through joy. And she so she died happy that her son was alive. Now, I know her soul rested with the most high. So it's like. She went out on that note. Now, he decided to do that. That was the time for it to happen. And now we're caught up to Genesis chapter 23, verse 1, because right now it's saying that she died right here. And in 87, it says, and when Abraham had finished his service, he returned with his son Isaac to his young men. And they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And then they came home. And Abraham sought for Sarah and could not find her. And he made inquiries concerning her. And they said unto him, she went as far as Hebron to seek you both, but both where you had gone. For thus she was informed. And Abraham and Isaac went to her to Hebron. And when they found that she was dead, they lifted up their voices and wept bitterly over her. And Isaac fell upon his mother's face and wept over her. And he said, Oh, my mother, my mother, how hast thou left me and where hast thou gone? Oh, how hast thou left me? And Abraham and Isaac wept greatly. And all their servants wept with them on account of Sarah. And they mourned over her a great and heavy mourning. Now, I, th I thought that was just a somber note to end it. But that's the end of the chapter, man. Um, he came back. Mother was dead. I can't imagine, man. I really can't. That's just sad. <laughs> Bless her. And um, when that happened, man, 
I read that and I was I was it just it took a lot of wind out of my sails. It took a lot of wind out of my sails when that happened, but you know, it gave me the depth that I was looking for. Because in Genesis, right after Sarah dies, that's when Abraham goes and consults with the sons of Heth to get the cave of Machpelah in the field that it rests on so he can have a permanent burial place for him and all his line. So it's almost like you read that and it's like, nigga, it's like, dude, you ain't even cry over your wife. Did Isaac cry over his wife? Because it don't say nothing about Isaac crying. It just said that Abraham went around his business as usual. And, um... I'm about done. I'm about finished. I told you I wasn't going to hold y'all long. I just wanted to bring up that comparison, that correlation. If this conversation has done nothing, I hope that it has encouraged you to at least be curious to see what more there is. To consult and run things past the most high. Because when you see these types of stories, you see the humanity and the depth of the characters it talks about. And you're not so easily unengaged from what's going on because you can't see yourself in the story. You know, that's why the Gospels are powerful, because there's so many accounts of miracles. And at least somewhere in them four Gospels, you can see yourself in one of those people that the Savior helped. And when I look at this story, I'm like, this type of account was done back then. So how much more can I read to learn about the true mistakes and like the true humanity of the people that were um that were written about in this word. I'm appreciative. I'm thankful for it. I'm going to read this entire book. I plan to. I pray that, you know, at the very least, it's made you curious to at least check out some other apocryphal books. Pray before you read them. That's essential. Um, consult the Most High. But just know that there is no boundary or no limit that any man can put on the Most High Yah. They, they, they can't do it. So if you go to another person, a human being like you, to find out more information about, you know, the most high or what is, what is enough, what is sufficient, what is more, you're going to get a flawed answer because men are just flawed. That's what we are. should encourage you to go past with the most high and run everything by him because he's infallible. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't have any flaws. Um, yeah, that's it, man. I was happy that he gave me that revelation. I can't, I can't wait to finish reading that book. I'll probably do it by the weekend, of course. And all things I pray you were blessed. And since O ain't here, I'm going to get a closing prayer. And I'm going to just say it like this, man. Bite your head. Most high, thank you for uh, this word. Thank you for using me. Um, I pray people forget about everything that Brad said and just hear everything that you said. Um, I pray that you bless, that you move in a powerful way. And when people's hearts, whoever watches this broadcast, whoever it may be sent to, that you just speak to them. Speak to their hearts and their minds and um, show them who you are. You know how to do it. You know how to lead people on the path and give them just enough time to process and digest certain information before bringing them along further. You know exactly what to do. You had the answer before the problem presented itself. Um, thank you for hearing and answering a prayer. Thank you for uh, everything you've done, and I pray that you continue to be with me and my brethren and my family as we go through this upcoming week. And uh, I, pray, I pray a special blessing of healing over each person that watches this broadcast. Your son, uh, Yeshua's name, I pray. Amen. This has been Real Talk One-on-One. Until the next time we meet, may y'all bless and keep you. Seek truth, not the traditions of men.
muscle keeps that blood flowing. He keeps it going, so we'll get to know him. The son of the father, so many never get to know him. in the beginning.